Today on the Zavecast, why on earth is Jason Garrett, the coward of the Cowboys, still gainfully employed, even though Jared just about calls him a total pussy every week? Only one man can cut through the haze, my boy Cowboy Mike. And if that's not enough, Notorious J.A.Y. says he's ready for the mixtape tour and naughty by nature. It's a double shot of Zave homies, plus LeBron gets an F on his documentary. Your essential sports talk day begins now. Oh, here we go! Wednesday, October 11, 2018. Thank you for the download. Lots to get to today, but before we launch into our double shot of guests, a couple of electronic mails. Yes, electronic mails. Am I saying that right? A couple of emails. Yeah, I guess that's right. A couple of electronic No, electronic pieces of mail. That's what it is. I've had a bourbon tonight, so excuse me. I'm I'm a little bit loopy, which is good. This uh, email comes to me. By the way, you can always email me, Zabe at Yahoo.com. It's the only email that I have that I'll admit to. Just kidding. It's the only email I really read. It just is easier to have one. Simple to remember, Zabe at Yahoo.com. Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo.com. I welcome all feedback, complaints, criticism, kudos, you name it. This one from William Pirat. Steez. Been meaning to reach out to let you know how much I've enjoyed reconnecting via your podcast. It is the gift that keeps on giving. Been a fan since your FSR days when you and the boys were the only thing that got me through my 70-mile commute through rural Texas every morning. To this day, I remember yelling at my satellite radio when I realized that they had preempted your show for live coverage of the Australian Open Tennis Tournament. Who the fuck listens to tennis, period, much less listening at 6 a.m. Morons. Yes, they are morons at Sirius XM because they have a billion channels and they had no idea which shows have any popularity, have any following whatsoever. And so they just go, well, we're obligated to carry tennis, so let's uh, put it on 93. Boom, done. Anyway, thanks for putting your time, energy, and talent into something that reaches so many. For what it is worth, some of my favorite aspects of your podcast are... In no particular order. One, you're imitating an offstage heckler, a la Boo Ben Kanop, bitching at yourself for lack of research, show prep, or technical issues. Yeah, like drinking on the job. That guy. Number two, Notorious J-A-Y and his takes. He's coming up in just a bit. Golf. There I said it. I love it, and people just need to get over it, okay? I like that. Damn you people, this is golf! And finally, FTG. I don't even know the artist, but the other day I caught myself humming a tune that stuck in my head, and I damned if it wasn't the FTG song. Well, that would be CeeLo Green with Forget You, which is also Fuck You, the explicit version. But Forget You is the PG-13 version. Love hearing you and your guests acknowledge that those that absolutely need to be put on blast every now and then. Anyway, your commitment to a quality podcast from the content right down to the audio quality is greatly appreciated. I've been hoping to see you monetize it, both for its sustainability and for your benefit, as I've never been a huge fan of the something-for-nothing concept. And I think your price point is more than reasonable. Sorry to sound like a schmooze, but given some of the bitching I've seen and heard, I figured it'd be nice to hear another opinion. Anyhow, sorry for the length, but thanks again for the effort. And by the way... The offer for tailgating, SEC football style and golf, still stands if you ever get down to Texas. Uh, best regards, Billy Pirat. Thank you, Billy. I would love to come down. Shit. My dream is this. I want to buy a podcast van. Uh? Awesome. <laughs> now, I want to start with a smaller van that I can set up some recording equipment in that's just big enough for two or three people to sit around a table and do a podcast where I know I've got nice, a lot of you know cushioned velour walls, so it's very dead in there, very quiet. I can, I can drive the van. The point would be to drive a conversion van to whomever I want to interview and say, hey, would you mind doing an interview? Yeah, no problem. When do you want to get together? Then the burden becomes on the person to actually leave their house and go somewhere. I would literally say, like just throwing a name out, let's say Joe Theismann. Hey, hey Joey, 
I want to do you for my podcast. I want to record you. Okay, great. Great, Steve. Uh, when do you want to do it, and uh, where do I have to be? Well, I'll say, Joe, you don't have to be anywhere. I'll come to you. It's like the car detailing services that roll up right to your driveway. I want to be the podcaster that rolls up right to your driveway. The thing is, I need to do some research on conversion vans. Anyone out there listening that is, maybe you are in the conversion van business that knows the best way to go about this. I mean, I don't need a brand new van. I don't need to buy a huge van either. Although somewhere down the line, it'd be cool to have a, a larger customized like sprinter van with a tall roof that is able to slide out, open out, have like an awning and maybe a couple of TVs mounted, sort of like a tailgate uh, vehicle. Uh, I know people have seen those. And for me to do podcasts and or live tailgate shows at big events. And I could just roll up. I mean, I'd drive that son of a bitch all around the country. I'd drive it all around the country and play golf courses and do podcasts and interview golf pros at various places. I mean, how great would that be? How are you going to make money, Baldy? I'm working on that. Charge the golf course for my podcast? Hello, I'm here to play your very fine golf course. And I'd like to do a podcast. And I'd like to golf for free. Oh, and there's one other thing. Yeah, what's that? Pay me (laughs) $1,000. See, the courses I all want to play and do podcasts from, they're private clubs. And so they would, A, not want the publicity, and B, they're sure as fuck not going to pay me. But there may be some places, though. I don't know. If you know about conversion vans, hit me up, zabe at yahoo.com. This one from Corey. More on the criticism front. Zabe, I do love your Friday shows. I'm happy to pay the $4.99 ding. Thank you very much. But there is one specific issue I've got. The intro compilation for the college football portion is way too long. What is it, 90 seconds? It feels like an hour. It consists of clips we've all heard dozens of times before, and now we are hearing it on a weekly basis. By the time you get to the cringeworthy Tebow bit, I'm exhausted. He then writes, but Corey, you can just hit the skip button, fast forward. Ah, yes, Abe, but Football Five Ways is only available on the app, and it's a generally solid app, I will say, which has a five-second skip, not my usual 15-second skip, on Spotify, which means I've got to hit the thing like 15 times to get past the intro, and it's a little tough while driving. At the very least, I don't think you can yell at Murray for going a bit over on his takes when there's like five minutes of intro fillers on Friday. Just saying, love the show, keep it up, Corey. You know what, Corey? I agree. In fact, that was in my mind as I listened to it. I go, this is getting kind of long, you know? 90 seconds is long by today's standards. I'm going to knock it down to 30 this week. And I'm going to knock the NFL one down to 30. Do you know that most uh, most shows today on television, their intro songs and their intro packages are 15, 10 seconds? I mean... That's the way of the world these days. And it used to be, there. once upon a time, I think some TV shows would have as long as 60-second intros. Like maybe Laverne and Shirley, I think, had a 60-second intro. In fact, I'll research that for a future podcast. Could have done it for this one, Baldy. You know, shut up. So I will cut those down this week, I promise. Thank you for the feedback. I do appreciate it. One more email. Ken Guckenberger in Denver says, Zabe, what's more likely to break down? A, Andrew Luck throwing 55 passes a game with a bum shoulder, or B, ESPN's Laura Rutledge logging double duty six days a week as Greenberg's co-host, or more accurately, she's the host and Greenberg's now the goofy sidekick with the jock du jour. She then hosts the college football programming in the afternoon on ESPN. She's really good. She's a fellow Gator from the mean streets of St. Pete who started on Ray's telecast just a few years ago. Her rise is so meteoric, or ESPN's bench is so thin, take your pick, that just this April she was doing sidelines at a college baseball game at TCU. She's from the Gator Journalism School that produced Aaron Andrews, but she actually knows her football quite well. And sitting next to Feinbaum probably has helped her. She's got a better voice than Andrews and is obviously working 24-7 on the grind. 
Of course, I think we could put a wig on Solly, says Ken G, and send him to Bristol. He'll be on College Football Countdown by next Thursday. They're out of bodies while Michelle Beadle collects checks in her sanctimonious suite at the Beverly Hills Hilton. Signed, Ken G, Denver, Colorado. You are absolutely correct. Laura Rutledge is blowing up. Laura Rutledge is really, really good. Laura Rutledge is quite hot. Smart, hot, eats up the camera lens, and she's just taken off. And she's not taking any moral stands like Michelle Beadle did. All right, let's get to the programming, shall we? Let's talk some sports around here. What do you say? A sports fan, huh? Yeah, yeah, I get it. You're not a sports fan. Of course, I caught up with my friend Cowboy Mike, and I taped him without his consent or approval, and he may not even know that he's going to be on the podcast this week, but guess what? After he consented to being on the podcast last week, he's just going to have to assume that whenever I call him to talk Cowboys, guess what? I'm rolling tape, and it's going national. Do, do I get to uh, – do? you can certainly revel in my team's suckitude as I probe you on how pissed you are at uh, at your coach who has the balls of a field mouse to not go for it on fourth and one. Well, uh, it was a long one, as he said in his uh, post-game presser. A um, long one? Yes. And he said <laughs> they had – what did he say? He said – he said they had just ran the play and lost the yard, which, of course, implies that they have one play. <laughs> <laughs> we just ran the play. It didn't work. We got a punt. How infuriating was that for you? You know, I'm watching the game, and Janice Godlover is asleep. And I'm, I'm going, I'm sort of breaking out because it was a close game. And, yeah, then all of a sudden they um, – you know, I'm getting ready for the fourth and one and a half play, and all of a sudden they, I had to rewind it. I'm like, did I misread the down or distance, or the, or, you know, the, or the, the where they were on the field? I was like, oh, maybe they were their own forty. I thought they were on the opposing team's forty. No, they were. <laughs> I seriously, as an owner, would fire a coach that doesn't go for fourth and one at the plus side of the field in overtime. Like, I would actually tell my coach, you know what I would do? I'd say, we're never punting inside the 45. We're just never going to do it. Unless it's fourth and 20, we're going for every fourth and 10 or less inside the 45. It's just not worth punting. No, it's not. And, the you know, the whole... And it's been said, obviously, by a lot of people since then. But, you know, you spend all that money and all those draft picks on your offensive line. You had a number four overall pick. You picked a running back. So that's your identity. Uh, And, you know, this is why you did that, right? Um, And he decides to punt. It's crazy. We didn't spend four first-round picks on punters. (laughs) Well, the other thing too is just the the illogic of the move. Like, no. we we don't think we're going to get this, so therefore we're going to give them the ball. Hopefully, right. stop them, have right. them punt it back to us, so we're further away now when we get it. Because surely, you're not going to stone them dead and get a punt back at your own plus forty two, right? No, no, right. They gained what thirty about thirty yards on the punt. And it was a very good punt. It was to the 10. It yeah. would likely be a 20-yard game. Right. No, you're exactly right. You, you, even if you get, you got to hope for a three and out, and you'll get the ball back at your own 25, maybe your own 30. I don't know. Right. You, so, it, three, things, three things happen. One, you guarantee you will not win the game with that possession because you're giving the ball up. That's number one. Guaranteed non-winning play. Here it comes. Secondly, you have to do something defensively that is hard. Get a three and out. Third, even if you do all that, you're going to get the ball back in worst position with, and this is critically important in overtime now, less time to score the game-winning points. Of course, with that offense, that can't do anything. I mean, fourth and one and a half for the opposing 40 in overtime is about the closest you're going to come to a win until maybe Christmas. So when's Jerry going to can this asshole? He doesn't want to. Because? Because Garrett will, you know, will do, you know, he can handle Jerry. And they're very comfortable with one another. 
and he, I would say Jerry knows he can't pick head coaching talent, but he doesn't know anything that he can't do. <laughs> other than Pars, um, other than Parcells, since Jimmy Johnson, who has Jerry picked as a good coach? No, uh, you got you got it, and yeah. he only. And, you know, he said he only took Parcells because he needed a big name because he was building a new stadium, needed the money, had to sell tickets. He admitted otherwise, that? He would have picked, yes. Otherwise, he he didn't say the rest, but otherwise he would have picked Chan Gailey Part 2, whoever that is. Or Wide Phillips, or now Red Jesus. Yeah, it's Jesus. bad. It, it's bad. And, um, how'd yeah, you, so... How'd you like you know, that? How'd That's you li- what we're talking about now is how many wins gets us rid of Jason Garrett. That's like, that's what Cowboy fans talk about now. Well, look at the whole division. This is hilarious. You got Beckham going off, you know, with his stupid fucking interviews in, in New York. And yes. they suck. You got my yeah. Redskins laying a complete steam and turd last night. Problems all over the place. Alex Smith looks like horseshit. And the Eagles and the Eagles at two and three with Jay Ajay now out for the year. At least there's not as much sort of off the field drama with the Eagles. They're probably going to win our division, don't you think? Yeah, I do. I think they're going to win it comfortably. They, you know, they've got Carson Wentz comfortably at what nine and seven, like a three win nine and seven over six and ten, six and ten, four and twelve. I'd have to check the math, but yeah, I'm thinking nine and seven with a four game lead. <laughs> I don't know if that's possible, but I don't know if it's possible. I wouldn't be surprised. Hey, did you see where uh, Dez, uh, or no, where uh, Jerry on his radio show says we've never really had a true number one? Yes, yeah, thank you, Jerry. He also said uh, 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 Brandon Wheaton threw a better ball than Troy Aikman. So uh, (laughs) he also said that uh, Greg Hardy inspired the team just by how he warmed up. Remember that quote? I do. I forgot about that one, but yeah. Remember what yeah. he said in the Seth Wicker? Remember what he said in the Don Van Atta article about how if anybody could handle Johnny Manziel being behind him on the depth chart, Tony <laughs> Romo could handle it. Yes, but yeah, Tony had four or five good years left, like seven years in a row. <laughs> oh fuck! Oh god, this this game oh, of bless. football just is so maddening. It's hopeless. Why do we do it? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. You guys have, what, seven touchdowns in five games? Oh, boy. I would have guessed one, but is it really seven? <laughs> I think Field I saw seven. You're, you're averaging about one touchdown a game. Yeah, poor Dak. He's just – he just lost it, you know. He's a uh, pocket ball tapper now. <laughs> Yeah. That sounds kind of dirty, actually. Yeah, a pocket ball tapper. Dirty, it sounds like but, you're, you're masturbating yourself through your pants. A pocket <laughs> ball tapper. Well, maybe we should try that play. <laughs> you know, I like Dak, but he's just lost. You know, he's way too slow. It, you know, it seems to me. I haven't from, watched enough of your Cowboys. Couch. I haven't watched enough of your Cowboys. What is Dak's problem? Uh, you know, just no confidence. I just think he waits too long on every play, and he doesn't have an offensive line that can bail him out like he did maybe in 2016. So he's waiting for receivers to come open. The problem is they don't have any receivers except Beasley who can get open. And, you know, it's the NFL. You can't wait till a guy's open to throw. you got to have a plan and make a split decision and let it go. And, you know, part of it is because he's so turnover-averse but the funny thing is he's turning the ball, you know, he's getting interceptions anyways because they're hitting his receiver's hands and going to the other team. He's got four picks already, I think. Um, so it's not even like we're avoiding turnovers with this conservative passing approach. So he did just wing it. But, you know, I, I just don't think he has the confidence anymore. Thinking too much. Yeah, it's like me on the golf tee. Hopeless. <laughs> Come on, man. Thinking too much on the tee box? And, it's the only time I do think, for the most part. And what is your what is your thought process on the tee box? Walk us through that. Oh God, we don't have we don't have enough time. <laughs> flip it, I, flip it. I brought out it. a cell phone battery before I got through all those thoughts. Hey, so by the way, by the way, when did, about the girl who ignored me, and it goes right from there through present. <laughs> when uh, when do the Cowboys have to make a call on paying Dak? 
Well, he's signed for two more years, this year and the next, part of his four-year rookie deal. So, you know, next year they got to decide. And, uh, you know, he, he's, uh, I mean, they'd be, they can't pay him. I mean, he, they can't do it. Don't you have to pick up the option on year five next he, year? No, he's a fourth rounder, so it's only a four-year deal. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. Okay. And, yeah, so they only got him for four. So they'd have to figure it out next year, which is the year number four. Would you dare run him up to the end of the contract and hope to keep him? Yeah. I mean, from what I've seen so far, and I love Dak, right? He's a good guy. He sells yogurt. He's an awesome guy. He sells um, yogurt. He the little kids. But, uh, yeah, he can't play right now. He's KP. He can't play. And KP. And, you know, we just got to make the best of it, I guess. But, Jerry, you know, the, I think with better coaches, though, Dak will be playing better, a lot better. Yeah. And I just think it's, it's hopeless, but as a Cowboy fan, you know, hopeless begins and ends with Jerry Jones. And, uh, you know, he's... I'll trade you owners. Uh, well, I saw your guy put up his, his house on the market. 47. Yes. Yeah. 49 yeah. million. Two solariums, two solariums like, apparently, I didn't know this, when Costanza went to the tip of Long Island for the house he didn't own with Prickly (laughs) Pete and Snoopy, he had two solariums in that fake house as well. This listing for Snyder's Mansion has two solariums and zinc gutters, which I don't know if that's like a luxury or not. Yeah, zinc gutters. like only rich people have. (laughs) But I did read it would have been $50 million if the trees were still there. (laughs) Exactly. Trees not included. (laughs) (laughs) I I told uh, Andy yesterday, I said, I want to pose, like get a tuxedo and a top hat and a monocle and pretend like we're we're Swiss bankers and that we want to see a tour of the house. (laughs) I'd love to. I'd love to get in there and take a road win in one of the bathrooms. Leave all the toilet seats up. Leave it up. Maybe leave an upper decker would be pretty epic. (laughs) All right, are we gonna are we gonna play golf before the season is out? Yes or no? Uh, I would. I would love to play. It's it's October. It's the time to play. Are we going to go to the Redskin Cowboy game? Me, Um, you, Miss Janice, maybe a maybe one account, Rosie on my side, make it two and two tickets will be available in two weeks, I guarantee it. Yeah, well, I'm sure they will be. Um, I don't know. Come it's on. Not, it's not looking too good. It's a it, mere eight-hour commitment. <laughs> you get to sit around a bunch of drunks in a creepy, right. dilapidated stadium, huh? Right. Worried about getting mugged in the restroom. <laughs> the weather could be bad. We okay. don't know. You'll have to wait till see till game day. Beers are a low $12 a piece or something like that. Yeah, but they're 20 ounces, so 12 for 20. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Dale needs, he needs the cash. <laughs> What's a beer at Jerry World? Uh, it was 10 bucks last time I was in the stadium. Hey, when are you Perfect. and Janice going, by the way, down to Dallas? We're leaving Thursday. Nice. And, um, however, the weather is supposed to be iffy. It, it might be raining, which is going to compromise our outdoor party plan for the game so dicey we might have to adapt price of a beer is nine dollars nine dollars as of 2016 at Fenner's field so it's probably gone up since then but anyway keep that keep that under consideration and uh have a good trip and say hi to miss janice for me and uh our both our football teams will continue sucking into the winter and into the night for yet Um, another year so fucking depressing Yep, when is the draft? <laughs> uh, late April or early yeah. May, one of the two. I'll start watching tape. <laughs> All right, fucker, I'll talk to you, man. All right, man. All right, Take see care. You. Bye. And from Cowboy Mike, why don't we go to my biggest Pittsburgh Steeler fan that I know at least, or at least he claims to be, my former producer, the notorious J-A-Y. Why? Because you don't have your TV yourself mounted? Oh, I no, I do. I was making fun of my brother who has it on his stand. 
you don't put a TV on a stand. You have it mounted, right? Bama ass stand TV having credenza using. <laughs> I I I found that quite funny that he had a stand. Okay. How about it if wasn't you, just me? How about if you how about if you mount your TV on the wall but allow the wires to dangle out beneath it? I have them all tied up in a in a. Uh, I have them tied tied together. That's the correct. Not one, right? not good enough, man. You got to bury that shit. Get in that wall. Get in the wall, and bury that shit properly and make it clean. Okay. You're right. like, all right, I'll do it. This <laughs> okay. <weekend." laughs> all right. <laughs> so, Jay, before we get going here on a variety of topics in the world of sports and beyond. I've got to get your take on the big 80s mixtape tour that was announced this week. We've got Salt and Peppa, Naughty by Nature, New Kids on the Block, Tiffany, and Debbie Gibson all touring together in 2019. I may or may not have had a conversation 15 minutes ago about <laughs> buying about buying tickets for this Friday. <laughs> You're all about it, man. This is your and my wheelhouse being of this, this, a particular age. Now, which of those acts is your favorite act? Oh, Naughty by Nature. Okay. Oh, Naughty by Nature, without a doubt. All right. And tell me about Naughty by Nature. What song would I recognize from Naughty by Nature? Hip Hop Hooray. Okay. That's not by nature. You would know. You would. You would hear. You've heard that in every basketball game since 1996. Okay, and and what kind of group is Naughty by Nature? Are they a rap group? They are a rap group. They are from Jersey. They were signed under the Queen Latifah Flavor Unit label. Uh, their lead rapper is Tretch. Uh, they are they are three part. They are three part group. But they were very good. I, I loved Naughty by Nature. Okay, other than Hip Hop Hooray, what what are the other songs that I need to know? Uh, Feel Me Flow, uh, uh, Uptown Anthem. It's oh, I, I could go on for days and days and days. Okay. I love, But you know what? I do kind of want to see New Kids on the Block. Just to say I've seen New Kids on the Block. Here it is right here. I'm playing it. You can't hear it, by the way. I can kind of hear it. There you go. How do you not love this song? Can you hear that, Jay? Yes. You a picture on my morning, but you couldn't make my day. Hey, I'm rocking in your morning, but you never look my way. Hey, I'm looking down your darling in every single way. Hey, you're funny for a soaring and a drink comes on the way. Hey, I to do a shampoo, but watch your head show. And what was great about Naughty by Nature? Well, Tretch's, Tretch's delivery was awesome. If you listen to, like, he the way he put words together, like, he, most raps you can recite them back, but his were so hard, the way he used his words, it was impossible, and that's what made him great. I love Naughty by Nature. And they were a little thuggish also. And speaking from someone who is not thuggish, you kind of like listening to someone who was. Okay, but did they have not safe for work lyrics? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Big yes. time. Okay. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, what'd you make of Tiffany and or Debbie Gibson back in the eighties? Uh, I liked it when they both posed in Playboy later, but I did. <laughs> I was a Debbie Gibson guy more than a Tiffany guy. Uh, Debbie did, Gibson was was kind of talented because she wrote and produced her songs, if I remember correctly. I don't know about that, but did you see her, Debbie Gibson, when she was on the Today Show announcing this tour? Earlier in the week, she is so rock, so rock hard. She looks like a fitness model, and she's really I, kept it together well for a gal who's got to be approaching her fifties now, something like that. Is she single? Uh, I'm going to the internet machine right now. I'm looking at her. Photos I would like to know in Playboy. Oh, there they are. Look at that. <laughs> Look at Tiffany's, though. Hello. Tiffany's also a pretty good. Hello, hello. Scott and I were arguing about how many hit songs Tiffany had, and I said one. One. And one. He, yeah. he, goes, he goes, no, she had four. And I go, oh, wait a minute. I go, no, she had, been. she had one, which was I Think We're Alone Now. That's it. I think, well, she had I Think We're Alone Now, 
could have been saw him standing there. That's three. That's all I know. <laughs> and it's bad that, by the way, that I know more than one. So I got to throw my man card in for that one. Yeah. Well, uh, De- definitely Debbie Gibson uh, was on my mixtape quite a bit. Not so much New Kids on the Block. Now, New Kids on the Block was one of many boy band ensembles that populated the 80s and early 90s. Where do they rank amongst all of the pop Ooh, boy bands? Wow. By hits or by popularity? What are you going by? Uh, I don't Talent? know. Talent? What, what are you going by? That's all the above. How about that? Where do they rank compared to the Backstreet Boys? Compared to O Town, New Edition. See, if you okay, if you ask me, they were probably the biggest New Kids on the Block, followed by Backstreet Boys, followed by New Edition, followed by Ninety Eight Degrees. How about How about Menudo? Oh God! You know what? Hold (laughs) up! Don't hold! Don't last. Menudo was huge because eight million Hispanics can't be wrong. And they loved them. Oh, and remember, yeah. they like ABC sold out like Saturday programming. It was like Menudo Saturday, like the mid '80s. So I can't make fun of Menudo, but here's, I couldn't understand the lyric. So here's yeah. a, a young Ricky Martin in Menudo's 1985 hit "Hold Me." What does it say if maybe on a lonely Friday night you, <laughs> you, you, a box of Kleenex and YouTube curl up to go back and look at some eighties videos? Is that wrong necessarily? How do you feel about that? I'm, I'm not going to judge. Confirm nor deny that I might have done that already. So <laughs> okay, I'm not saying anything. All right. Well, uh, the the tour has been launched. They're coming to D.C. at Capital One Arena on June 25th. So if you want, I can try to get us tickets. Right. I'm telling you, I'm going to go to this one. So let's make it guys happen. Night out. Guys, guys night, night out. out. Let's show. bring back the eighties. Okay. All right. Where do you want to begin this week? Uh, any comment on your Steelers? They won a game. Hallelujah. Yeah. They, yay. Yay. So they, they'll, they'll, hey, yeah. They did look, they did look like a real football team. Cause I did watch the game. Uh, the defense still stinks, but they did this thing that, they, it's called establishing the run. Funny how that, and that is. Helps, and that helps out the rest of the team because James Conner, because people were saying, oh, James Conner has only had blank, blank yards. They didn't give him the ball for like two weeks straight. Yeah, that'll happen. But they gave, they fed him the rock early and often in this game, and he pounded. I'm cueing the pounded. We are pounding them sound from yes. Baghdad. Yeah, Baghdad, Baghdad Bob. Bob. Yes. Yes. And he they, he pounded the uh, Falcons in the first half, and the game was officially pretty much over after the second quarter. Has James Conner now taken that job? Uh, is that now officially it, it, the Le'Veon Bell? I mean, he's coming back, but it's it's really it's Conner's job to lose, right? I say if he has a big game this week against the hated rivals the Cincinnati Bengals, he might have taken the job. Okay. No, By the way, over, un, over under on ejections from this game for targeting. Jesus. This is always this is always a prison yard football game. <laughs> you know what? There are That's no, the best way to guess. There yes. are no rules whatsoever. Put a shank in your sock and see if you can get away with it. <laughs> that is, that's, uh, I'm sure Vontez Burfick will get at least one 15-yard penalty. Vontez Perfect is a flat-out criminal. Yes, he is. But he's a, hell of a, he's a hell of a linebacker, and so the Bengals and Mike Brown keep on sticking with him. Why Would you not, take him right? on your team? Would you take him on your team? I mean, I'd rather not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. But, okay. But you need a few penitentiary guys on every team to give your team a bit of an edge. Very true. Okay. Yeah. Very true. How's our quarterback looking, Alex Smith? Boy, did he look like shit last night. Ooh, daddy. What was uglier, the starting pitcher for the Yankees or Alex Smith yesterday? Yeah, Luis Severino. Did you see how hard they were hitting Severino? Yeah, and it was just a bad night when he didn't know the time of the game. Did you? Oh, no, he said he always warms up 10 minutes before, and and he says, I warm up quickly. That's what he claims. And then he goes out. 
they were lighting him up. You could just see with the eye test. It was like, okay, uh, they're hitting that ball hard. And then they were measuring the exit velocity. And it was like seven balls that had an exit velocity of over 100 miles an hour, which apparently is bad. The outs were loud. That's when you know you're getting when, you're, when your outs are loud. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course... But- you know, they, they're getting killed 16-1, to and they bring in Austin Romine to pitch, backup catcher. It's only the second position player in postseason history that has actually hit or that has actually pitched in a game. And then he gave up a home run to surrender the first cycle in the history of Major League Baseball. And Brock Holt, were you trying to hit a home run? Oh, yeah, I was trying to go for the cycle. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Of course I was. Yeah, it's uh, it's fifteen to one, and there's a catcher in there pitching. Of course I'm going to be hacking. And and did you see where Ron Darling on the broadcast said he would be offended for a team up sixteen to one to be swinging on three o pitches? <laughs> Go f yourself. I'm so sick of these unwritten rules. I'm getting. I'm I'm going up there to swing. F you, Ron Darling. I hate that. Yeah. I hate that you can't swing at the first pitch. You can't. Well, you, you shouldn't be stealing. But that that you can't swing at the first pitch if you're up by ten runs. That's so stupid. I hate that crap. <laughs> exactly. Did you see, by the way, that Ron Darling got in trouble for using the phrase "chink" in the armor? No. Yes, oh. he, he did. But he's Hawaiian, so he can use it. Not only is he Hawaiian, he's half Chinese himself. So he can use it. Apparently he can't. He was oh, talking God. about Tanaka. And he said, you know, Tanaka is not pitching well. That could be a chink in the armor. And then no, he had, then he gave no, the apology. Uh, word choice. Sorry if that offended anybody. To it, to Darling's credit, he did not pull out the old, hey, you know, I am half Asian. If he wouldn't have said anything and the producer would not have been uh, pitching fit, Nobody would have even noticed, yeah. right? Okay. No, um, wait, can I, can I ask you though? By the way, while we're angry. on while we're on the racial uh, baseball front, did you see where oh. Chief Wahoo made his final ride for the Indians the other day? That's it for the logo. It's gone. They're not going to use it anymore. Yeah, that was a pretty bad logo though. Did you see the original, Mister? Uh, Ch- oh, the, the, the original one was even worse. Oh, yes. right, big yeah, crooked yeah. nose, a browner yeah. look to <laughs> it. It's like, hey man, bigger, what the bigger fuck? smile? Yeah. So they're still going to be called the Indians, Jay. They're just not yes. going to use the logo. Right. So you okay with that? I'm okay with that. Because? Maybe, maybe they'll change it to brown skin. <laughs> so you're not against Indians, Braves, Seminoles. No. Are you against the Redskins, though? <laughs> okay, here's my feelings on that. Right, it it doesn't that. offend me, but I've heard Indians say, it's it's offensive to I've heard both sides. I've heard some, some Indians say it's it's offensive to them. I've heard some Indians say it's not offensive. It's not it I it bears nothing on me, so I don't get upset if it has nothing to do with me. Okay. Can you make any cartoon of a Native American and use it as a logo? Like can you redraw Chief Wahoo in a less clownish fashion? Why don't you ask the guy who drew Serena Williams? Maybe he can do something like that. Oh, here oh, we there go. go. Here we go. Ooh, here now, we you, go. Know what's, you know what's offensive to me? The Redskins on Monday night. Good. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's now, 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 you traded. What did you trade for Alex Smith? What did you give up? Just a third rounder and slot corner Kendall Fuller, who, by the way, has been bad this year, according to fans who are watching the Chiefs. That's what. Oh, he say. has terrible hands, by the way. Well, he's a corner. That's why. Okay. Fred I Smoot dropped. He... Yeah, Fred Smoot yeah. told me on the on the on the Friday Five Way Football Zabe cast. He said, "Any corners who are converted running backs like Sean Springs, no hands. Any corners like him converted wide receivers, great hands. Two different flavors of cornerback." And I said, "Interesting." Because he said mostly they're either converted running backs or converted wide receivers. Or they were two-way players in high school. I find that hard to believe that Fred, Fred Smoot had great – does Fred Smoot have great hands? Oh, yeah. No, Fred, okay. Smoot, Fred Smoot was great. He was a great ball hawk. And he was a okay. great boat captain as well. Oh, yeah. That's so. a good one. There you go. 
Uh, yeah, we suck on Monday night. What can we say? And and now we're like, Alex Smith may not be an upgrade from Kirk Cousins and Adrian Peterson. Everyone of the brain knew he was going to get hurt at some point and not play 16 to 16 games. And that was not his fault, though. That was on the quarterback. Oh, no, I know. But he also got hurt on another play where his shoulder was separated, almost separated. And that's just how that's just how it is with running backs. Think about this. Every single play for a running back ends in extreme violence. Unless you're Franco Harris, who ran out of bounds willfully a lot of times. <laughs> and is rich and can speak right now. So <laughs> And believes Joe Pa was framed. Oh, he's a yes, huge yes, Joe yes. Pa truther. He is yes, he is, which is another that's another podcast that is another for another podcast. hour. Yeah. Hey, did you uh did you buy and watch the fight with Nurma Gamadoff? And Conor McGregor. I did not buy it. I watched it though on the uh, Fire Stick. And how jail uh, broke? I've never jail broke Fire Stick. I've never seen anything like what happened, dude. Not only that, but how about the undercard? The bloodiest fight ever. Pettis Ferguson was just a complete bloodbath. Okay, that I did not see. Oh yeah, that was apparently the fight of the night. And I guess they're going to try to line up this kid who uh, said his balls were hot to fight for the heavyweight title. I I will watch the rematch of this, even though Conor McGregor might be the male Ronda Rousey. Might be completely done. He has not won in like three fights. Yeah. And took a while off to go do some other stuff. He's got a whiskey line out now. Great showman, though. Got to give him that. Great showman. But he doesn't win. So uh, what do I want to watch him for? And apparently he wants to box again. He sucked. I thought he hung in there boxing wise. Oh, oh no? really? You're one of you're one of those. He was he's a terrible boxer. I expected he, a lot worse th- against Floyd Mayweather, but Floyd obviously didn't take any chances. That fight went as long as Floyd Mayweather wanted that fight to go. Yeah. Uh, apparently, Habib's dad said he would sanction his son even worse than Dana White. Because he's told his son the whole time, he's like, you do whatever you need to do in the octagon to win, but outside the octagon, you got to act correct. His and dad. he did not act correct. Oh, He did no. not act correct. No. No, no. Definitely not at all. Uh, what else uh, have we missed in the last week that you need to get, need to get your shots in on? Uh, college football? Are you yeah. caring at all about that? You about know, it's, how it's tough. No, be- nobody's ever going to beat Alabama. Just say it right now. Nobody's ever going to beat them. It's like Tua. I saw this. Somebody had this line. Tua and the Tagalongs. That it's all about Tua and the Tagalongs on that team. That it's all about him and nobody's close to him and nobody's close to Alabama. They are like the fully functional Death Star that's going to obliterate planets in their wake. Like, remember how good Miami was? Remember how good USC was? Take that times 10, and that's how good and better that Alabama is and everybody else. It is they, – they are – they're like the Red Army marching through – oh, can I use that? Or is that – I can't use Red Army? No, I like I that. No, okay. I like that a lot. They, yeah, why couldn't you they, use that? <laughs> I don't – you can't use anything. can't use anything nowadays. But, but they, they march through everybody. I mean, they put up 60 on SEC teams religiously now. They are so good, and it's so fun to watch when someone's dominating. I don't mind that. How did you like JMU losing to Elon as a 34-and-a-half-point home favorite? That's almost as bad. The, is that the, no, the, the worst I remember? Hype Pete Carroll, they lost to Stanford at home. Against, they, Jim, they, Har- against Jim Harbaugh, remember? Jim Harbaugh. I rem- and I remember that game because one of those games, like, do you want to watch this? Another blowout. Richard Sherman was on that team. I think he had an interception in that game. Do you know but what? They beat, do you know what the spread was in that game? Because that is a. It was like forty. Forty right? and a half. Jay, you are yes. very good. Yes. Forty and yes. a half for a league game. Forty point spread. And again, that was height USC. That was like two thousand eight. Joe Mixon, right? Not Joe Mixon. That um, Joe, the, the the guy who recently died in. Oh, in Louisiana, Joe. Shit, I can't remember his name. Anyway, the running but they back. had a yeah, they had a really good team. Joe was, Joseph that, Joseph Joe Joe McKnight. Joe McKnight. Joe McKnight. Yes, he they, died? Joe McKnight. Yeah. Oh, he got killed by a. He was killed in a uh, in a um, road rage road rage. Oh, oh that's by. right. That's right. It was a road rage with a white guy. Not and good. he got he got convicted too. Oh, he did. 
Black Lives Matter, Dave. All right. Okay, Jay. All right. Let's let's chalk this up to hey, sometimes the system works. I was of course I'm being funny. No, I know, but what? seriously, like yes. like like when someone gets acquitted on a on a fifty fifty call and it's white versus black, there's a lot of media attention and a lot of outrage. That is very true. That but is, there's but there's time, not the equal of right. hey, this like there was a white cop that recently got sentenced to jail for murder and good because he fucking murdered a black guy. In Chicago, and I saw the video of that, and that was horrifying to see that. Right. Yes. But when there's a black guy that has a gun in his waistband and pulls it out while he's being detained by police, you can't freak out just because, you know, they end up shooting the guy. You again, So there was a video of a driver. I don't know where it was, but it was a black motorist, and he got pulled over, and the police were, like, you know, trying to detain him. The guy started to fight them. They tased him. The guy took the taser, beat up the cops, and ran away. And I'm like, well, and, and I'm looking at the comments, and the comments are like, oh, my God, I'm so glad he got away. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why was he detained? He wasn't. They just, I mean, come on. They, I don't know. Maybe he was know, doing something wrong. You know, every, every, now, every now and then, sometimes, Jay, black guys are doing something wrong and need to be detained by the police. Every now that's and then. That's what I've heard, Dave. That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. That's right. Can't we all just get along? All right. Anything else uh, while we're visiting this week? Are you who you're rooting for in the baseball playoffs? Given that the Orioles are not in it, you gonna root anybody for anybody my... but the anybody but the Yankees? All right. You gonna root for my Brewers? Actually, the Astros are pretty impressive. I love the Astros. I love Altuve. They're like a folk. They're like a. They're like the running rebels. They put so much pressure on you, on, on when they're on uh, when they're up the bat. It's like you can't breathe because one guy's going to get a single, another guy's going to double. Next thing you know, you're down five nothing. You know, like Jesus Christ. And then you got uh, the ultimate stopper uh, uh, on the mound for them. So it's they. They are. They're really, really good. I love Altuve. I love Bregman. I love Lamp. What did as Ron Burgundy once said. <laughs> <laughs> or no, that was Brick. I'm sorry, Brick Tantlin. I love that Lamp. Was Brick. I love Lamp. Yes. <laughs> no, you got to root for my Brewers, man. Come on, you got to get behind this story. They're going to the World Series. They're going to beat the Dodgers. It'll be the first time since '82. Our friends, you got friend. You know people up there that are my friends from Milwaukee. Come on, man, jump on the Brewer bandwagon. They hashtag, have the best player in baseball. They have the best player in baseball. This is my crew. Oh yeah, Yelich. Do you know that the Marlins have now traded back-to-back NL MVPs? And they, they traded Stanton and they traded Yelich. They're going to be back-to-back MVPs. Good job. Good job, Derek Jeter, you fucking idiot. Do we get mad at Jeter or do we get mad at the owner? At He's the, guy who the, the owner. owner! No, no, no. The guy who was the owner before him. Who? Um, what was his name? The one that... Uh, did- Loria. Yeah, and but, he, he but just I don't, F that team up. I don't think Loria trade – I think one of Jeter's first moves was to trade Stanton in the offseason. I think he took over the team yeah, and that was. was on his bill. And I know they're okay. trying – we're trying to get the books right, you know. we gotta we got to make money first down here. you got a new stadium. Imagine the Marlins with Yelich and Stanton. And, and, imagine, and Azuna. And, and Azuna. Right. They traded him too. Right. And imagine if they uh, – if uh, what's-his-name didn't go driving his boat into a dock. Fernandez. Oh, Fernandez. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, Osuna is your closer, by the way, for the Strohs. Hey, I, I, I like, okay, I'll, well, I can't have the, the Strohs. I can't have, but I do like the Brewers. 82. You mean the last time Harvey Wall, but Harvey's Wall Bangers yeah. was the last time the Brewers? Robin okay. Yount. Wow. Uh, Paul Gorman Molitor, Thomas, Gorman Thomas. Ben Ogilvy. Yeah. <laughs> Jay knows his 80s Chad, baseball teams just Ted like Simmons, his 80s hip hop groups. He knows yeah. that very Jim well. Gander, Ted Simmons. Yes. <laughs> I can. I, 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 Cecil, Cecil Cooper. <laughs> Odeby McDowell. These are not all Brewers. I'm just naming some baseball players from the early 80s. That's all, all right. I can name. That's, I, that's all I got. That's, that's all, all you're, got. you're tapped out. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., did you see the interview with him and uh, Lil Wayne? Oh, you broke up. Try that again. Did you see Lil Wayne with Odell Beckham Jr. on ESPN? I wasn't sure if this was, was going to be my F that guy uh, between Lil Wayne and Drake. 
uh, Drake at the MMA fight and Lil Wayne sitting next to Odell Beckham like a like a couple on Dr. Phil. That that, that wasn't he sitting way too close. Yes. Yes. Awkwardly Uh, close. Like, what are you doing there, guy? Why in the F do I want to hear what Lil Wayne's thoughts are on anything other than music? I don't want to hear it. But he was the he was the halftime guest. I saw a Bleacher Report story of talking Little Wayne talking about Eli Manning. I'm like, who cares? <laughs> well, he and Odell are tight because they're both from New Orleans area, and oh, and, and, and Little Wayne, Little Wayne with his new album, number one album in the world, by the way, uh, did the halftime show on Monday Night Football, which actually looked like a car commercial because it had Genesis all over it. Great cars, by the way. I wish I could buy one of the new ones but yeah uh it was like a car commercial at halftime and i guess espn will do whatever it wants for money they just don't care well as you like to as your drop likes to say hey how about that okay time for fuck that guy here comes the music stand by and i'll cue you in just a second i'm not a good guy I'm the guy. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. All right, Jay, who is your Fuck That Guy for the week? ESPN and how uncool they are now. Uh, I was watching ESPN for like two hours, and they parade out a a plethora of nerds now. Remember how guys on ESPN you would like, you'd want to hang out with? You'd want to hang out with Dan Patrick. Now, I like Bouchergrass. I like Anderson, but if you give me Adnan Verk, Pablo Torre, Clinton Yates, the guy, the new black guy on on um, on Outside the Lines, it's a cavalcade of nerdery. It really is. Like, they're I don't the ner- like they're, any of these guys. They are the intellectual nerd table in the cafeteria that no one would want to sit with. You want to sit I, at the cool person table, not the well. You know, this is the social construct of our current milieu as it applies to sports. Boo! Most of these guys would be team managers on any sport or on any team. Not on the team, they'd be team managers. So your fuck that guy is ESPN's nerdery. It's kind of vague, Jay. I don't know if I can accept it's that. It's vague. I can't give one one guy. It's just ESPN with all their nerds. Pick one of the nerds and make him a fuck that guy. Go. I admit, Verk, fuck that guy. <laughs> I do not like him at all. Fuck that guy. My fuck that guy goes to one Angel Hernandez. Oh. Allegedly Major League umpire. He blew not one, not two, but three calls at first base. This guy is widely known as the worst umpire in Major League Baseball. And not only has he been given a postseason assignment, he's been given the assignment of the most high-profile series, Yankees-Red Sox. And after fucking up at first base, he's going to do home plate tonight. The game might be 18 hours because he's so terrible. And on top of all that, he's suing Major League Baseball, claiming racial discrimination. If ever there was a guy who needed to be told in no uncertain terms to fuck off, it's Angel Hernandez, my fuck that guy of the week. What a country, huh, Jay? You can sue your employer over a very thin accusation of racial bias, get plum assignments, fuck them up royally, and then do an even bigger job the next night. Yay, America. He is... He is so, and he's not even not even the worst. There's there's a there's an axis of evil umpires. Angel <laughs> Hernandez, Laz, Angel Hernandez, Laz Diaz, and CB Bruckner. There are three of oh, they're C- the worst umpires in baseball. CB is terrible. They're, they're, yes. I don't know why. Every year, you know my proposal: one umpire gets fired on a league wide anonymous survey. So every team, like every team gets to list three guys to say these guys shouldn't be umps. And whoever gets the most votes is out every year. One guy. Relegation. Relegation, Gone. like in soccer. Yeah. Yes, I like that. Yeah, it may sound cold and cruel, but it's the way that you keep umpires from A, being assholes, and B, being complacent with their umpiring. All right, Notorious J-A-Y. Follow Jay on Twitter at jcatrell34.
I get yes, that right? Yes, sir. All right, buddy. We'll yes, talk sir. to you next week. See you, Jay. Thanks, Jay. All right, enough of those knuckleheads for today. Let's finish on this. LeBron James has just put out his first documentary via HBO titled Student Athlete. Mike DeCourcy, Sporting News, who's a great journalist, a great writer, not a bomb thrower, not a hot taker, who does his homework and knows what the fuck he's talking about, writes in the Sporting News under the headline, LeBron James produced student athlete movie is worthy of an F. An F. Here's how DeCourcy begins his story. About 10 minutes into the HBO documentary, Student Athlete, there's a shot of a computer graphic designed to emphasize the athletic stature of one of the movie's principal characters. It shows the ESPN 100 logo, familiar to followers of college basketball recruiting, then pans down from number one prospect Anthony Davis, the unibrow, to the bottom of the screen where it shows forward Mike Shaw, who had been rated number nine in his class. This is done, writes DeCourcy, to demonstrate to you, the viewer of this documentary, that Mike Shaw had once been a big deal. I think by now he's no longer a big deal, and that's the point of it. And it's a trick, writes DeCourcy. It might as well have been a CGI image from one of those Avengers movies. When I saw Shaw ranked as number nine, it struck me like a basketball to the forehead. Wait a minute, something's wrong. I was well aware of Shaw as a player on the summer circuit in 2010 when he played for the Mac Irvin Fire at the Peach Jam. See, this is my point. DeCourcy's out there. He does the legwork. I remembered him as a prospect ranked somewhere in the neighborhood of the top 50. So I stopped the documentary and I rolled it back. Looking hard at the screen, I then saw it. Shaw was listed as the number nine prospect in the state of Illinois. Oh little bit different than the ESPN Top 100. DeCourcy reached out to HBO's publicity department for clarification. Trish Dalton, the co-director of their publicity department, said, quote, Mike was heavily recruited out of Chicago, and we wanted to make that clear. We also wanted to show why Mike thought of himself as an elite player and why he believed himself destined to do great things. This ultimately is meant to show why players struggle when their sports careers don't pan out. Blah, 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 rhetoric, rhetoric, you lied. Had that been the only trickeration rights to Corsi the filmmakers executed in 90 minutes of time, it might have been passable. Indeed, scrolling all the way down to number 91, which is where ESPN actually did rate Mike Shaw nationally, would have been a less attractive shot. But this hopelessly one-sided production from a team that included executive producer LeBron James, which will repeat many times in the next few weeks across HBO's various channels, didn't stop there. DeCourcy goes on to then fillet and slash and upend many, many half-truths, inaccuracies, or really biased takes in the movie. He concludes in part by saying the film devotes fewer than 30 seconds of runtime to an opposing viewpoint, that from NCAA President Mark Emmert, who explains what the benefits of being a student-athlete can be under the right circumstances. Things like coaching, training, the chance to be educated at first-rate college or university. Oh, should also mention the high-profile publicity of playing on national TV and having guys like Dick Vitale ball wash you on a weekly, nightly basis. Hey, baby! Otherwise, writes DeCourcy, the documentary is filled with lazy choices like revisiting the idea that former NCAA executive director Walter Byers had invented the term student-athlete to avoid paying players. It lumps Division II and Division III NCAA athletes into basketball and football together to make the odds of becoming a pro athlete seem even longer than they are. The stats they use come from the NCAA themselves. Financial figures are designed to emphasize how much money is generated, but there's only cursory explanation of how the money is spent. He says that toward the end of the film, after Richards is shown making a modest announcement at his high school that he will attend Kentucky, The filmmakers put a graphic on the screen that said if you were paid by the same revenue-sharing formula the NBA uses, that this particular recruit would earn $1.4 million in his first year with the Wildcats. If he were, though, writes DeCourcy, Kentucky might not have a men's soccer team. 
Now, that's an argument one can have, whether it's a worthwhile trade-off. The people, though, behind student-athlete, we're not interested in anything quite so challenging. I will look forward to watching it and seeing it. I'm, I'm pretty sure I know their angle on this. But, yeah, LeBron James now in the documentary business. Thanks for listening. Download, subscribe, comment, subscribe, comment, and like, and tell three friends. Premium Zabe can be had at zabe.com slash premium. Another monster week of football five ways Friday coming up on Friday. Only $4.99 a month, and I appreciate your support. Now, go download some Debbie Gibson nudes off of Playboy, and we will see you next time.